either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Welcome in to our one to two hour breakdown of Skin and Marink. <laughs> <laughs> and all the reactions. That it uh, brought forth. No, welcome in. This is the Screening Room Podcast. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we are from madwolf.com. And yeah, well, actually, thank you for all the uh, reactions that we got to Skinner Marink because we've heard from both camps. In fact, our, our own son checked in, I think, last night because he and his girlfriend watched it, and they split down the middle. Yeah, it was actually a pretty funny text exchange where he was just like, if something doesn't happen soon, I'm going to be skinnamarinking. <laughs> <laughs> but he said she thought it was the scariest movie well, she'd ever seen. That's what we've seen. It just falls along those lines. Man, if it gets to you, it's going to get to you good. If not, you're going to be bored out of your head. So uh, it's always fun to get those reactions, so thank you. But we've got a new crop of movies to dig into, so let's do it. Let's start with the latest screen life thriller. After her mother goes missing, a young woman tries to find her from home using tools available to her online. It's missing. You're going through Kevin's email? You need to let the police handle this. I tried, but we're running out of time. Who are these people? This woman calls him Darren. You weren't going to tell me my mom was dating a felon? You need to trust me on this. Shocking new footage has leaked online. I have some questions regarding something we're looking into. Has your mom ever gone by any other names? What? The strangest case I've ever seen. There may be more than meets the eye. There are some legit questions. Hey, Junebug. There's actually a lot I want to talk with you about. (gasps) Oh, my God. Someone's here. You and I both were surprised by how much we liked Searching from a few years ago with John Cho. Yeah, there's been a few of these. I think the the screen life, they call it genre, is a few years old. And that's when everything plays out, everything that you see, the narrative plays out on some sort of screen, either a computer, a laptop, a phone, a tablet, something like that. We've seen it with Unfriended. There were, what, two or three of those films? Yeah, I think three. And then, uh, yeah, um, Searching, uh, I think it was four or five years ago now. Uh, it was it was entertaining, and that was really driven by a great lead performance by John Cho. Oh, he was so good. Yeah, and this one is solid as well. This one doesn't have a, a really central, galvanizing lead performance like that, but this one has a ton of fun twists and turns. Now, the filmmakers behind Searching, the first one, they do just, they get a story credit, uh, but you've got new directors and writers. Will Merrick and Nicholas D. Johnson are behind this one, and while I wouldn't we wouldn't call this one a sequel to Searching at all, but it does find a way to bring, how how we say this, to bring that movie and what happened in that movie into this universe. Yeah, I think that that's a good way. And and in doing that really taps into true crime, the true crime phenomenon, which I don't think that Searching did uh, when, when it came out. And and it while she's not as maybe empathetic and compelling as John Cho, Storm Reed is the main character, the face you see the most looking into this computer screen, and she's very good. She is. A lot of people know her right now from Euphoria, but if you want to go all the way back to A Wrinkle in Time, yeah. which not a lot of people saw. But yeah, so she's been around for a while, and she is is good, and I think both of us, and this probably falls along the age lines, as she was whipping around all these websites and online tools, we thought, I would like to sign up for a class... <laughs> From her to tell us how to do all this stuff, because that's just one of the the things that this movie uh, touches on. All that's available out there, a lot of things that I don't know how to do or you know how to do, 
but also and that's and that's kind of fun and frivolous but also the lack of privacy is it you really find out how quickly people can find out a lot about you and the more they know about computers and things that the, the, the quicker they can do it and and we're no experts we don't know if everything about what she's doing checks out 100% it seemed like pretty reasonable it seemed like the the device here is has a good deal of integrity as it goes along but the main thing is it's a mystery and it's it's a fun mystery as a yeah storm reads character june she's kind of excited because her mom is going away on a trip and she's a senior in high school and that means party so uh, her mom played by nia long is going away with her new boyfriend played by ken leung and they're not only going away they're going out of the country So June is planning a party, and she has the party, though, on Sunday night, the night before she's got to pick them up. That seemed a little curious to me, but hey, maybe that's what kids do now. Uh, And when when they come back, when the flight is scheduled to be there, June shows up, and mom and boyfriend are not there. And then she is officially missing, and as the time goes by, it gets more worrisome and more worrisome, and June is not satisfied with the help she's getting, especially overseas, you know, and so she takes to the Internet. There are moments that are going to remind you, if you've seen the original, of, of the first one where, you know, law enforcement is just telling her, you know, stay off of the computer. You're not helping us. You're actually a hindrance. Just wait. That's the best that you can do. And, of course, she, but, and it's so much different because she just is impatient because she feels like, she knows how to do this better than they do. And it's it's an interesting, different look at things because she really does kind of whiz around really well. But at the same time, it leads you, her discoveries lead you in all of these interesting directions. If you've seen the trailer, it's a good trailer. The, the movie st- really does stay one step ahead of you in terms of the way the twists. And, and the thing about the twist is that you're like, oh, yeah, that makes more sense than what I was thinking it was going to be anyway. Yeah, and a lot of people complain about um, trailers telling too much, and sometimes they do, but trust me, this one doesn't. You think you might know where it's going, you don't. And that's the fun thing about it, because we picked up, we guessed maybe a a couple of things, but then it, it, it ends up in a place that you didn't see coming, and it's fun. I will say, and I think you agree, that the real final reveal breaks down just a little bit, it's, it goes into a little bit of a, a silly territory, but it didn't ruin it for me at all. The, the, I think the biggest drawback about this movie, and it seemed very strange because as solid as the performances are, and that includes um, Amy Landecker, one of those you would know her face, um, as a friend of, of the uh, mom, a friend of Nia Long's, there are other performances that just stand out as being weak, especially when they bring in these press conferences from FBI and law enforcement because when when uh, the the mom's missing case becomes more more news then they start getting these updates from FBI and things like that and it just seemed like is this real it seemed like they were intentionally trying to make it look staged it didn't look authentic at all and the fact is it just doesn't look good i mean it, it, it is it isn't trying to flush anything out for you it's just kind of poorly done and you know the the lead performances are quite good but some of the supporting performances aren't. Yeah, and for a while I thought, well, it has to be a reason. We're going to find out later, and didn't really. So there were a couple of couple of clunks there, but uh, otherwise I found it fun. It was it's a fun ride and a fun mystery. And I know some people are 
annoyed and don't really take to this screen life type of narrative, but I'm not. I find it fascinating. When it's done well, it's an interesting thing because you would think it would be really visually boring, but the truth is it gives you all this opportunity to kind of fill the screen with different bits of information. So for like a mystery, I think it's perfect. Yeah, and like you said, it really does also tap into the obsession right now that a lot of people have with true crime and and trying to be, you know, home detectives and things like that. And once a story gets out, all the different perspectives online you're going to find from people that think they have all the answers when they don't. So it, it touches a lot of very relevant topics for right now. And yeah, it's a it's a fun ride with a lot of twists and turns. And if you like those type of mysteries, I think you'll like it. It's out in theaters now and it's called Missing. Next up is a drama that centers around Peter, who has a busy life with his new partner, Beth, and their baby, which is thrown into disarray when his ex-wife, Kate, turns up with their teenage son, Nicholas. This is The Sun. I feel like a complete failure. I wasn't there for him. There used to be so much joy in our family. You give these big speeches about life, and then you abandon us. I have the right to reinvent my life! Hello, son. You came to tell me what a good dad you are? What do you want? Applause? It's my little boy. I can't give up on him. This is the new drama from Florian Zeller, who was originally a playwright. And among his acclaimed plays were three different plays about family dysfunction. And the, the one that you know the best probably is The Father, because it won Anthony Hopkins an Oscar a couple of years ago. And this one is The Son, and it is not actually in the same universe, even though Anthony Hopkins does show up in this movie. It's a completely separate group of people. And where the first one... I, for me, the re- aside from glorious casting, the reason The Father was such a compelling watch was because it actually was told from the perspective of a character who had dementia. So you didn't know what was going on because he didn't know what was going on. And I feel like one of the reasons The Sun doesn't work as well, even though it also has a really great cast, is because it does not do that. So The Sun in question, Zen McGrath plays Hugh Jackman's son. Hugh Jackman is the point of view character, which just makes this any other melodrama about having a teenager with depression. Had it done that unique thing of taking the perspective of somebody with the debilitating illness, it might have been a more interesting view. But as it is, you just feel like you're wallowing in somebody else's misery. There's not a lot of interesting or insightful commentary being had here. Jackman is good. Laura Dern is great. Vanessa Kirby is also very good. Unfortunately, Zach Mc- Zen McGrath, who plays Nicholas, the, the teenage boy, He's weak, and I feel badly saying that because he's a young man, but particularly in this cast, he stands out as being weak, and I feel like the movie misses a lot of opportunities to sort of mine what it is that's at the root of this and instead kind of wallows again in in the father's a little bit self-righteous issues with what's going on. And just as they did on the father, Florian Zeller, even though he wrote the play, he has Christopher Hampton do the screenplay. Now, they won the Oscar for adapted screenplay for The Father, but I'm with you on the perspective. That was so, so compelling because we'd seen many stories about dementia and dealing with dementia, but not from that perspective, and it made all the difference. And, and yeah, the, the performances there were glorious, but like you said, there are some 
performances here that are very good as well. Unfortunately, it's tough for the young man to keep up, but that's a tough that's a tough assignment with the uh, the people that he's with. But all in all, yeah, this one doesn't doesn't have the uh, the emotional gut punch, the emotional pull of the father. And this is out now in theaters called The Sun. Another personal drama next, a young woman is trapped in an abusive relationship and becomes the unwitting participant in an intervention staged by her two closest friends. This is called Alice Darling. Are you sorry for what you did? How are we supposed to be happy together if we can't trust each other? How did Simon know you were here? Looked at my email. I heard about the girl who went missing. Pretty worried about you. My beautiful girl. Is this what you think love is? I don't know how any of this is your business. Simon loves me. I'm happy. Why did you lie to him? I can't do another thing wrong. My beautiful girl. I'm the only person who knows you. Alice. Alice. Darling. Nobody loves you like I love you. My beautiful girl. Well, this is Anna Kendrick, as we've never seen her before, and as an executive producer also, you know, wanted to tap into something she herself has gone through. Yeah, she's been, you may have heard or read, she's been up front here. I think pretty much started with press for this movie that she was in an emotionally abusive relationship and she felt regret and shame about how long she let it continue. And that is at the core of this film. And you're right, she's better than she's ever been. And as an executive producer, it's clear this is a very personal project for her. And uh, it's really, really compelling. And if you remember the opening minutes of the recent redo of The Invisible Man with um, Elizabeth Moss, you know, in the opening minutes, she's fleeing an abusive relationship. Now, we never see the abuse on screen, but we believe it right away because of Elizabeth Moss's performance. And the same is really the same deal here. Right away, we believe this woman is has lost really all sense of herself to her relationship with Simon, who's played by Charlie Carrick. And he's very good because he's all, you know, he's all manners and charm and politeness, but it's menacing. You know, he's got his little ways because even when she's out with her friends, enjoying a happy hour or trying to enjoy a happy hour. She can't because of his countless texts and little, little requests that maybe in another, in another relationship might not seem like a big deal, but they're just ways that he has found to let her know and that he has the power that she answers to him. And, and so right away the, the, the friends don't really notice it that much until they plan a getaway for the one friend's big birthday. And they're played by uh, Wunmi Masaku, who's so, she's so good. In everything, yeah, yeah. she's so good. Lovecraft Country and then His House, oh, remember that? Yeah. Oh, my God. And also, and I'm going to... Strang- uh, Kanehito Me- Horn. Kanehito Horn is is the friend with the birthday. They're both very good. So they rent this lake house, and the only way that Alice, played by Anna Kendrick, can get away is if she makes up a story about being a work trip to get away from Simon. But even when she's there, her, her behavior is so erratic. You know, every text notification, every car wheel on a gravel road is a trigger. And she's, she's so erratic and, and so not, not her own person. And, and the, 
this is when the friends really start understanding that something's wrong. And of course, the more they try to bring something up, the more defensive she gets. No, he, he loves me and I'm lucky to have him. And it just escalates and escalates um, until there has to be some sort of, as the synopsis says, intervention and some sort of uh, some sort of breaking point. So it's a fantastic performance, as you might guess. It's not the happiest thing to watch in the world, but it is very worthwhile. And ultimately, it is a journey of, of healing. It is. And of finding of Alice finding herself again. And it's a very impressive debut. Director is Mary Nighy. This is her first feature film. And she doesn't overdo anything, which is very good because there's a there's an underwater metaphor. You know, they're at the lake and she goes swimming and stuff and and she goes swimming and things. And of course, you could say that she's suffocating from this relationship. So that that metaphor is well intentioned and it's not overdone, which is very nice. And there's also even though you do eventually get to see some of Simon's gaslighting in action, that's not overdone either because they don't have to prove anything. Right. This is not a he said, she said type of thing. We already believe her. We know this is real. So uh, they keep uh, a nice bit of restraint in that area as well. So all in all, very, very impressive. The only I will say maybe in the third act, uh, Alice's realization of her situation maybe comes just a little bit too quickly. But that's really picking nits. I mean, it's solid. It's a solid drama. Well done with a really, really uh, compelling performance by Anna Kendrick and it's in theaters now worth checking out called Alice Darling. Hey, let's do a horror movie. Okay. How about fantasy horror comedy? The forces of evil descend on Argentina. Mankind's best hope. A once legendary shaman is confined to an insane asylum from which he must escape when the battle against demonic resurrection becomes personal. This time it's personal. This is legions. This is an Argentinian horror movie, and it, it does a great job of sliding from one type of horror to the next. It's basically told in three overlapping segments. They go back and forth in time to when Antonio is a young man with a, a baby daughter uh, sort of in the, in the mountainous highlands in the jungle. And then... When he in the in the eighties moves with his teenage daughter, and then they're living in the city for a short time, and then as an old man, and he's at an institution, and you learn that he's in he's in this institution as a way to have avoided prison, a prison sentence. Although they're not entirely clear as to why he was facing prison, but he's telling his tales to the other inmates slash patients, and it's when when he's in the institution, it's essentially a comedy. Um, and it's a borderline Sam Raimi horror comedy, honestly. And But also it reminds me a bit of Bubba Hotep because of the way it's older people who are not really being taken seriously. And he's telling his tales and the other inmates are putting on plays of his stories of having been a shaman. And it, it is really charming and funny in that, in that respect. But he, what he learns is in the next Blood Moon... The demon who chased him essentially out of the jungles when he and his, his daughter were very young is going to come back and reclaim his daughter and then use his daughter to end the world. And so he has to break free and he uses kind of his friends to break free in a very funny uh, escapade and then has to take on this demon. And really what it is, it's a story told about a parent trying to 
reclaim their child's respect. That's really what this movie is about. And for that reason, it's very tender and relatable. But it's also quite funny and really well put together. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Sam Raimi because just from watching the trailer, the effects and the practical makeup definitely has that fun kind of kind of vibe about it. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely does. And there's a ton, really, just uh, the tone, the tonal shift here is pretty pronounced, but it's very smoothly handled. And that's uncommon. I mean, that really can be a stumbling block for a horror film, but but it's handled really well here by Fabian Forte. And that is on VOD now called Legions. And a horror mystery next. The family takes a weekend trip with longtime friends and their two young children, but they suspect something supernatural when the kids behave strangely after disappearing into the woods overnight. This is There's Something Wrong with the Children. You good, man? How you been feeling lately? I know what I saw. Can I show you something in the woods? I don't think that's them out there anymore. I promise we're better than ever. This is your fault! Get out! What did you do to your mom, Spencer? We want to play a game with you. Ready or not, here we come. We want to play with you now. Filmmaker Roxanne Benjamin kind of toys with your preconceived notions and uh, and has some fun with the Cabin in the Woods kind of a horror film because as opposed to being, you know, a bunch of nubile co-eds, it's two working toward middle-aged couples and the one couple's young children. So the the childless couple is sort of uh, on the spot as to why, in fact, are you childless? And then the, the couple who has children are fighting with each other all the time. And, and eventually the children just turn not even feral. They turn evil. And it's a funny, I'm not sure how funny it's meant to be, but it's clearly a comment on the right to decide not to have kids. <laughs> it's pretty effective in that way. And there are some, the two kids actually are are great. Uh, David Matty and Briella Guiza are the two kids. They're the most impressive actors in the film, to be honest with you. They do an excellent job, first of all, of just being sort of fun-loving and sweet kids and then being full-blown, bloody-nosed evil. They're a lot of fun. And the movie is competently put together. It's not rocket science, but it's a fun movie to watch. There's something wrong with the children, and that is on Shudder. And by the way, let's mention a couple of movies that we, we have reviewed in the past but one is on Shudder, debuting on Shudder this week, and another one on Netflix. The one that's on Shudder is called Take Back the Night. Now, this one we got to see for the first time at Nightmares Film Festival, and we've uh, interviewed the star and interviewed the director, and this is really an impressive, metaphorical type of horror story. It absolutely is, and and it's one that I'm so happy is getting released to Shudder because I feel like that's the audience that is going to love it the most. It's a, it's a great set of performances. It's one of those movies, it's allegorical, but the, the metaphor doesn't outweigh the actual horror that you're watching. It's a great movie, and Gia Elliott is the director. She did a wonderful job. Yeah, and star Emma Fitzpatrick is a, is a co-writer, so yeah, definitely worth your time. Check that out. That is on Shudder, Take Back the Night. And moving over to Netflix... Well, also, another one that we were first introduced to a few years ago for Nightmares Film Festival. And this was, it's gone through a title change. It was originally called Reckoning, and now it's called Devil to Pay. And one of the many things, and this might be why it's back again, because its star is Danielle Deadweiler. 
And come Tuesday morning, I am. we are both hoping that Danielle Deadweiler gets a well-deserved Oscar nomination for Till. But she's awesome in this movie as well. She really is. And it's a thriller more than it is a horror film, although there is a, a cult and uh, and they are creepy. The whole movie is so incredibly on the edge of your seat and really gorgeous to watch. It's an Appalachian thriller. Deadweiler is amazing as Lemon. The whole cast is great. I mean, we just really, truly, we cannot recommend this movie highly enough. Yeah, and it goes in some directions you don't see coming. And big shout out to Lane and Ruckus Sky, the filmmakers, and they have joined us on our other podcast, Fright Club. So we always love to see when this film uh, gets more eyeballs, and hopefully it will get them. So it's on Netflix now. Check it out. Great thriller called Devil to Pay. And speaking of Oscar nominations, next up, an international film that could very well land an Oscar nomination come Tuesday. This is a crime thriller. A journalist descends into the dark underbelly of the Iranian holy city of Mossad, and she investigates the serial killings of sex workers by the so-called spider killer who believes he is cleansing the streets of sinners. This is called Holy Spider. Matt Weiner reviewed this one for us at MadWolf.com, and it's the latest from director Ali Abbas, who we, he did, he did Border, a couple of years ago, which we love and highly recommend that you seek out. And this one is a fascinating concept as a serial killer movie because it's one of it's a what it draws your attention to is that as long as nobody cares about the victims, is he really doing anything wrong? It's such a, a cynical way to look at things and such the, the the filmmaking is so insightful and alarming in that way. It's just an incredibly good movie. And even though it's not set in our homeland, it will give you plenty to think about things right here at home as well. And be sure to uh, check out Matt's full review. You can find that at madwolf.com. But yeah, this one might be landing an Oscar nomination come Tuesday, and it is worth seeing. And it is in select theaters now called Holy Spider. Another international film next, an escaped convict returns to his hometown after 15 years, only to be haunted by his past and get mixed up in a scheme involving the daughter of his victim. It's called Back to the Wharf. Brandon Thomas reviewed this one for us because he does love a neo-noir. And that's what this is. It's a Chinese neo-noir. But one of the things that makes it so interesting is that it does a nice job of balancing what you expect from a noir film with a really kind of delicate character study. It's really understated and solemn and and incredibly well acted so that you you're so full of empathy for these characters. And uh, and that kind of makes it more of a gut punch when things don't go the way you hope. And that's on VOD now. Be sure to check out Brandon's review at MadWolf.com. He liked it. Neo-noir called Back to the Wharf. An anime feature next. 1,500 years after the War of Gods, Young Jang, the god of Erlang, made a living by working as a catcher. One day, he was ordered to hunt down a young man, his own nephew. This is called New Gods, Yang Zhang. Heaven and Earth are ruled by cycles. Nothing can be done. Young Jian. I heard you fell on hard times. Blind. He's really blind. To win, 
I'll do anything. Yanjin, you have to go. Heaven and Earth, I rise with thee! Schlocketeer Daniel Baldwin reviewed this one for All us. All right. And the, the the number one thing to point out is that the, the animation here is as gorgeous as anything you're going to see from any studio anywhere. It absolutely looks amazing. And the lead character is, you know, fighting battles and playing harmonica. And it's really, you know, as a lot of animation is, and especially sort of, you know, these big epic stories. It's about regret and love and family and loss, but, and it gets a little bit maybe predictable, but that's the story sometimes in in anime is not as important as the visuals and sort of the fantasy of it. And and this movie has that really going for it. And uh, you can read Daniel's full review on madwolf.com. Yes, and that's in select theaters now. New Gods, Yang Zhan. And one more, an international comedy drama. Dramedy. Danny is pregnant by Max, but she doesn't get around to telling him at a party. Meanwhile, Max is busy trying out his girlfriend's sexual fantasies with her. Sounds fun. All eyes off me. Rachel Willis reviewed this one for us. And, you know, it's not as sexy as it as it sounds. And I think that's one of the things that benefits the film. It's really a movie about intimacy and how that can be found and how that can be kind of ruined. And it is sometimes funny, sometimes dramatic. The performances are great. And it's just not the kind of film you're used to seeing. It's one of those it's one of those independent films that really embraces its independence and relies heavily on some great performances to tell to tell a pretty good story. Yeah, as Rachel points out, the movie's sort of saying you can have sex without intimacy and you can have intimacy without sex. And uh, they use these characters to get that point across. So, yeah, Rachel's full review is at MadWolf.com. The movie is on VOD now called All Eyes Off Me. Well, we've already mentioned the schlocketeer. Let's get more from him in the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Back in the lobby, checking in with Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. the Schlocketeer, for the latest news. What's moving, what's shaking with the studios? What do you hear? Well, as of today, Violent Night is on Peacock, so if anyone missed it, they can oh, catch fun. that now. Okay. <laughs> and then um, on February 24th, Amazon is premiering a feature-length cut of the action comedy Die Hard. Uh, that was previously a, um, a Quibi series where they had like 10 really short serialized shorts. It was basically a movie already that was busted up into 10 shorts um, for the platform Quibi, which no longer exists, but now we're getting a feature-length cut of it, and that's an action comedy that stars uh, Kevin Hart and John Travolta. Oh, okay. And what's it on now? Uh, It'll be on Amazon. Amazon. Okay, cool. Yeah. And uh, we've talked about the Winnie the Pooh horror movie, Blood and Honey, that's hitting theaters on February 15th before, uh, courtesy of Fathom Events, but now... I guess in the wake of how well Terrifier 2 and Clerks 3 did last year on a similar format, um, Fathom Events has decided to expand its run to nine days, and it'll be playing on 1,500 screens from February 15th to February 23rd. Good. Your gory Winnie the Pooh action will not be <laughs> confined to the day after Valentine's Day. You can't hold him back. <laughs> 
Uh, WellGo USA is releasing Grabber's director John Wright's latest creature feature, Unwelcome, in limited theatrical release on March 10th, followed by a VOD release on March 14th. Grabber's is so much fun. Yes, it is. <laughs> and then I have a whole slew of Netflix announcements for you because they just put out a trailer that didn't showcase every movie they have coming out this year, but it did show off a lot of them. So on May 12th, we get a Jennifer Lopez action thriller called The Mother. On June 16th, we get Chris Hemsworth's action sequel, Extraction 2. And then the uh, sci-fi action comedy, They Cloned Tyrone, now arrives on July 21st. That stars Jamie Foxx, Tayona Paris, Kiefer Sutherland, and John Boyega. Mm-hmm. There's a Gal Gadot and Jamie Dornan spy action film called Heart of Stone that's hitting on August 11th. There's a ac- uh, crime actioner from F. Gary Gray called Lift that hits on August 25th that stars Kevin Hart, Sam Worthington, Vincent D'Onofrio, and Billy Magnuson. And then we get a Millie Bobby Brown fantasy action movie called Damsel that's arriving on October 13th. That one looks a little bit like last year's The Princess, but with more, like, dragons and stuff. (laughs) More dragons. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Chris Evans and Emily Blunt have a thriller called Pain Hustlers arriving on October 27th. And then on November 10th, we get David Fincher's new movie, which is called The Killer. It's a hitman action thriller with Michael Fassbender and Tilda Swinton. So that automatically sounds awesome. Yes, I'm in. And then on the more dramatic front, there's A Family Affair that's hitting on November 17th and um, an animated movie called Leo on November 22nd, followed by more awards fair in Leave the World Behind on December 8th. I believe that one stars Mahershala Ali. And then finally, there, you know, we've got Glass Onion this past year as their big Christmas movie. Well, this year it's a sci-fi epic from Zack Schneider called Rebel Moon that's hitting on December twenty-second. Okay, good stuff. As always, you can keep up to date with the headlines. Just check in with Daniel on the socials. It's all at the Schlocketeer. Have a great weekend. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Okay, looking ahead to next week, not as many, but one that we are really looking forward to, the latest from Brandon Cronenberg called Infinity Pool is next week. Also, Living, which is a great one. With Bill Nye, yeah, just saw that. We'll be talking about that. One called Maybe I Do. The Wandering Earth 2. And The Mission. So that's next week. Uh, But until then, let's keep talking about, well, you want to keep talking about Skinnamarink? (laughs) We can do that. (laughs) But if you want to talk about Missing or Alice Darling or anything from this week, uh, we love to keep that conversation going. Easiest way to find us is on Twitter. We're at MadWolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F, also on Facebook and Instagram. It is MadWolf Columbus and the main website where you can find all of our written reviews and our other horror movie-only podcasts, Fright Club. That's all there at MadWolf.com. So keep in touch. We hope you will. We'll get those Oscar nominations, too, this Tuesday, so we'll be talking about those next week as well. So uh, lots coming up, but uh, until next time, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. <laughs>